Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman, and our next guest up is Jessica Grande, partner and co-founder of Lovatus Wealth Services. Welcome to Radio Entrepreneurs. Thanks, Jonathan. Happy to be here. Great to have you on. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about your firm and what it is that you do? Sure. Uh, Lovatus Wealth Services, um, we are a registered investment advisory firm located in Boston. And what we do is we help our clients with their wealth. We offer investment management. So we help our clients, you know, we choose investments for our clients and we also offer financial planning services for them. And um, I know that's, you know, there's a broad field in terms of wealth management. Um, tell us how, what, how, how you guys approach it. Is it, is there a firm philosophy? Is it, you know, I know some of the larger firms use, uh, you know, profiles based on age and risk tolerance. I'm, I'm sure that factors in somewhere, but is there an approach that, that you offer at Levatas that is uh, somewhat unique to you? I would say absolutely. Um, it's actually one of the reasons why we started the firm. So we actually started the firm, um, seven years ago, and we started on the like three guiding principles, um, simplicity, purpose, and control. And we started with those principles because we thought that was sort of missing from the industry. All of my, you know, my partners and co-founders, we all have a breadth of experience within financial services, as well as real estate and, you know, economic research. And so we thought that although these topics are can be very complicated. Uh, we felt when we're dealing with clients, we felt the overarching, it was almost like keeping control with the firm itself. Like we thought by breaking it down into more, you know, um, our clients' assets into more simplified and purpose-driven uh, message, they'll be able to have a greater sense of control over their assets. So some things that we do that's a little bit different. So of course, we do risk assessments for our clients. I mean, that's a big piece of the puzzle. Um, we all obviously take their age into factor, uh, in addition to all life circumstances, like, you know, children, uh, caring for elderly parents, and that sort of thing. But we also what I think is quite unique to our firm is that during the first six months of onboarding a client, we work with the client to create their own mission, their mission statement. So um, and the mission statement appears on all their reporting. And it's sort of like a guiding light for us and how we choose their investments. So not, we don't mean like, so, like not necessarily social, you know, social investments, more like what are you looking to do with your life and how can your wealth and your investments support that? that hmm. Interesting. Is, is that really based on the individuals? Is that a legacy in mind? Is it, is it a little bit of both? You know, what do you, what do you want to accomplish for yourself, but what do you also want to leave behind in terms of the, your, your mark? Right. And it's, Absolutely different. Like, you know, we'll have some clients that say, we want to, when we die, we want our bank account to be zero dollars. We don't want to give one, you know, one thing to our children. We have other clients that are the complete opposite. So they've gone to, they've done slightly complicated um, tax structure so that they're, they're very frugal so that their assets transfer to their their grandchildren they're skipping their children grandchildren and great-grandchildren so um yes so all of those are unique to the clients so the reason we have that mission statement is so it's right there so that 
when, you know, we say this is what your strategy is for this year, the next few years, this is what we're choosing for your investments and why you go back and say, well, it's based on the fact that your assets, I mean, in those two examples, your assets are supposed to last 100 years versus the first couple who maybe are in their 70s, let's say we put it out to 30 years till they're 100. So it's, you know, obviously, you know, asset allocation decisions are there. It must be a really fascinating dynamic in your in your field because um, you know nobody ever wants to think about what that day is, and if uh, in in most cases, unless you know somebody has a terminal illness and has a time frame, we don't really know. Um, and so it must be really difficult to say, how do I get my bank account to zero? Well, are you going to live ten years? Or are you going to live forty years? Um, you know, I know that's an extreme example, but yeah, you understand my point. It's you know, I think a lot of people probably wrestle with the notion of like how long. You know, and, and you hear these radio ads that say, you know, many people may live 30 years in retirement. Well, if you're not retiring to 65 or 70, well, as the average, you know, most people are not going to live to be 100 years old. But um, I have seen and, you know, there are many cases of people living well into their 90s and their assets uh, being depleted before that time. And yes. so that's a real challenge today as well. Yes, um, yeah. That that couple said that, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek, obviously, um, because they're a very successful and organized family. And so I'm not quite worried about that. I think that's mostly something that they were saying to their children. So that way their children didn't have high expectations. Hey, go, 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 go get a job. Yes, yeah, pretty <laughs> the much. Yeah. The, gra the, gravy, the gravy train is either skipping you or uh, stopping before it gets to you. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So, yeah. So the point of that is just... Um, you know, the way we would, you know, so obviously, you know, the high level is that for someone who is looking to, you know, A, there's not really any moral judgment, right? Here, it doesn't matter to us whether or not that's how you view your assets. Um, but we want to have go through the process of help someone if it's not clear to them already for them to understand that it's okay to put a stake in the ground and say you know what i and and by you know let's say this couple they're you know very generous to their family in the here and now so they're not you know the point is not leaving an inheritance doesn't mean we're not going to have family vacation now or do, do this sort of thing so anyway it's all it's all part of it's all part of the planning but we're you know the point is to take the big picture and bring it down to the granular level of your de decision-making, whether it's your budget decision-making or your stock pick, your, your, do you do dividend stocks? Do you do, you know, small cap growth stocks? And, and so what is the best portfolio for you? And so we're sort of trying to bring, you know, the granular decisions and the big picture view together. So um, one of the things that uh, struck me as interesting and in, in the Boston area with financial planners is this notion of, um, uh, you know, portfolio sizes, uh, uh, you know, uh, investable assets. Um, and I know a lot of people put numbers uh, associated with that. Is that something that your firm does? Is it does somebody have to be of a certain capacity or uh, have certain amount of assets to engage with your firm? Yes. Yeah, definitely. That's a great question you ask. And I have a pretty strong opinion on that, actually. I I do feel like um, when someone has less assets, let's say under a million investable or under a million and a half investable assets. So that just means like liquid assets that you can put into the stock market or you can, you know, save for a rainy day. The, we're pretty passionate about having a minimum because we found that sometimes advisors, when they take on clients that do have lower assets under management or AUM, the fees tend to 
be higher so that it can make economic sense for the advisor. But those higher fees really do bite into overall return. So then it really inhibits clients from letting their assets grow to eventually get to these, you know, million and a half, $2 million uh, liquid assets. So, um, and typically what we would do, you know, we don't take on clients of that size because the economics don't really work. But we, if someone comes to us with those assets and we can't actually take them on as a client, I do tend to have a conversation with them and just high level of things to look for. Um, you know, a lot of in someone's, you know, a lot of 401ks tend to still have investment options that have some pretty high uh, mutual funds with some pretty high fees. And so just a few steps that you can take now to let your assets grow so that maybe in 10 years, you will be able to have an advisor or not yeah. have, but you'll be able to have it make sense so that if you pay an advisor a fee, it's not chipping into your return. Okay, great. And uh, tell us a little bit about the engagement process. Uh, you talked about, you know, working with them over the first, first six months uh, to onboard. Um, wh what else is, is, well, is relevant for people to know? that I had mentioned was, was sort of getting to know a client to help develop a draft of their mission statement. We have like a 12 month, um, we call it like our next, you know, our 12 month year map, excuse me, 12 month roadmap. And so, you know, each it's highly customizable to each client, like when they sign on, because everyone comes to us with a slightly different problem or a different concern. So we might have a client, um, you know, one of our clients that we love taking on are sort of people that are looking for a partner, whether it is someone who just has come through or is going through a divorce, someone who might have recently lost a spouse, who was the one that managed their finances. So someone like that might, their primary concern could maybe like, where is my money? Uh, how do I pay my bills? How is everything set up? So for them, it would be budget, you know, that would be like the ins and the outs, the the granular thinking for the first, let's say three months, six months, that sort of thing. Someone, another client that has come to us recently, he was very concerned with um, bringing, um, we have a, one of our signature services is called uh, Levada's Children and Wealth. And so it's when we, you know, let's say the, the parent or the grandparent level is looking to pass control down to the next generation. And we offer educational services regarding that to help train them and bring them on board with how to, you know, deal with the, the wealth or deal with the, what, do, what does it mean to be a trustee of an account? What's my responsibility? So things like that educationally would be bumped up to the top for a client, but that was their primary concern. But typically when, you know, when a client would come on, it would be the administrative tasks of, let's say, um, opening an account at our custodian and transferring your assets and making sure all of your accounts are registered properly and you have the correct beneficiaries and all your documents are pulled together. And then that would be sort of the administrative side. And then we would go um, off into sort of which signature services made the most sense for why you're coming to us. So it really sounds like a lot of different entry points, really depending on the life cycle and the individual circumstances. So no cookie cutter here. Um, really no cookie cutter. And something that we're pretty proud of here is that um, a lot of firms in our industry, their client profile tends to skew older, like 50, 60, 70. And we actually did an analysis of our client, client base recently and sort of 
30s, you know, each decade, 30s to 90s was pretty evenly represented. And I thought that was a as an advisor and just a person, I find I like that dynamic because it's 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 interesting and and each client is very unique, obviously, but it it um it's nice to sort of deal with different stages of life. And it certainly speaks to your uh, uh, appeal as a firm, uh, which is nice across a broad uh, cross-section. Jessica Grande, partner and co-founder of Levatas Wealth Services. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, The best way would be by email. You can email me at jgrande at levataswealth.com. I can spell that. It's so J-G-R-A-N-D-E at L-E-V-A-T-U-S-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. Jessica Grande, partner and co-founder of Levatas Wealth Services. It's been a pleasure having you on Radio Entrepreneurs. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good day. And we'll be right back with another segment on Radio Entrepreneurs.